Hey there, boils and ghouls. Welcome to this week's episode of Hollow Weekly. And let me tell you right now, before we get too deep, this is probably one of the funniest interviews I've ever done uh, in my entire life. Uh, this week, I had the good fortune of sitting down and talking to the show creators of the new FX animated series, Little Demon, Darcy Fowler, Seth Kirshner, and Kieran Valla. Uh, the show is about the Antichrist, voiced by Lucy DeVito, uh, learning her powers and dealing with her parents who are having, uh, you know, Problems Raising Their Child, voiced by Aubrey Plaza and Danny DeVito. My goodness, with a cast like that, do I need to say anything else? Um, very, very funny show. If you love stuff like Rick and Morty, this is right up your alley. In fact, uh, Dan Harmon is the executive producer on the show. And you can watch all of season one right now on Hulu. And I have a challenge for you. Okay, listen, we talk about this, I think, at the end of the, at the, end of the interview, but... Uh, Watch season one and tell me you don't need a Macho Man Candy Savage in your life. There was a, there was a shot in one of the uh, uh, like a drink like a shot drink in uh, one of the episodes, and I think it had like brain matter and some other stuff like that. Didn't look half bad. Not not nearly as good as the Macho Man Candy Savage. So check that out. Enjoy the interview. Watch the show. Let's get into it. things first i like oh see we got the we're gonna have our own dance party that's what's gonna happen right? we're not gonna let rrr get the best of us <laughs> no, no fomo here so <laughs> little demon how did this show come about i know that's a kind of a big first question to go through like start from the beginning of time earth was formed <laughs> animation happened how did it how did it come about uh well when two people um love each other very much yeah <laughs> they uh they get together, they become intimate, and then they create a baby. Uh, no, no. <laughs> and we were birthed all together. We're actually triplets. Yeah. 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 Like born, born in a commune yeah. <laughs> together yeah. from an early age. Yeah, we came out at the same time. Just high five. Same yeah. time. It was yeah. crazy. It is crazy. Yeah. Um, but who would, who would want to? Who You guys go. You go. <laughs> I'm not doing it. I couldn't. Aaron. I can do it. I can do this. So, You're up. So we all knew each other over the years through various for various things. Seth is the connective tissue through through all of us. Um, yes. We yeah, knew each of us independently, and then we all came together to do a sketch for a one man show that Seth did, and it was called Ring Pop, and that's where we all fell in love with each other um, creatively, and <laughs> some of us romantically. I won't say who. Um, and <laughs> and uh, we got a we got a love triangle happening here. Yes. Well, I'll say it is a not will they won't they. <laughs> exactly and then, and then we decided we found we all loved horror comedy and and seth and darcy had been working on this are you afraid of the dark parody type show and it was cool uh, it, was, it wasn't overdone at the time it was not overdone at the time that's all <laughs> that was the biggest part was of before. the pitch we knew it was going to yeah. be overdone in the future and we'd always say it's going to be overdone in the future but it's not overdone at this time that's what we would always say um <laughs> But basically, that's what we kind of came together on that. And we pitched it to Comedy Central. We made a pilot presentation there. And then um, it didn't go. We we revamped it for TBS. They wanted to make a different version. And we made a pilot for TBS, another horror comedy anthology series thing. It didn't go. And then, you know, we, we loved working together. And then we found this idea. And we were like, it's perfect for the animated space. And this is the first animated show any of us did. And, you know, we went full steam ahead in the animation world uh, when we when we found this idea. So. 
so so all of you are you're all talented writers and this might be a stupid question i'm not much of a writer but is writing for animation any different than like a live action or for a sketch or like is is there anything different or is a story a story i think it i think it really is about what i think i think the i i there's a lot of things about the animation process that that are that are definitely that's definitely different in terms of the writing itself i'd say I'd say no for us. It was the first time writing in in a story in this using the story circle specifically, really diving into the story circle. Uh, you know, because we were working with with Harmon and and he was a a, a wonderful uh, mentor, Dan Harmon. I was like Harmon. Um, <laughs> uh, you got that first. You got that first name basis now. You're like, oh, it's like when you're watching interviews. Like, oh, Marty and, <laughs> and Bob. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, strained. I, I would say. In some ways, uh, in some ways, there, there is there is more because both our shows before before this were very like like very uh, kind of sketch based um, in in many ways, and this was this was a uh, much more in, in a way like character based. They were character based as well, but because uh, both shows were anthologies, this is the first time. You know, we were we to, uh, together. We've all written, you know, shows with characters that continue. But together, that we were following our characters. So in a way, uh, there were some more grounding elements in the story breaking. I, I would say um, this time around. Uh, I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's it's the same amount of you know at times wanting to die, and <laughs> at times being like j- completely joyful. But there was also a lot of um. There's just a lot of gratification that came as the season went on and our characters got deeper and deeper and took twists and turns we didn't expect no that's that that that's fascinating so one of the things you mentioned you you guys were horror comedy um fans um lots of horror imagery in this show like and for the creature feature lover of me like having like a different monster almost every episode Mm -hmm. is is amazing like so growing up what were some of your horror influences I know that's another big one. Yeah, I I do nothing but I do nothing but sluggers on this one. <laughs> who gets who starts? You start. Seth starts. Um, I mean, growing up, like, I feel like the first one that made like a huge impact on me was The Exorcist. Like that was the first one that really like because I was like I think twelve or thirteen at the time when like I was like oh I was able to like understand like I was like oh this is a film like before that like I mean I remember the miniseries of it the original miniseries of it uh, being on TV and that terrified the shit out of me. I mean, that just, I remember that image of like seeing of like when I don't, I don't remember which character was, but I remember when like the character, every time you'd cut back to the character or brother or whatever was slowly turned into Pennywise. And I remember that, that, that kept me up for uh, weeks. Um, those those definitely were the first ones that popped in my mind and then like uh, like the shining and the thing are i yeah two, like two of the biggest influential when i was like younger for sure and rosemary's mm-hmm. baby of course too that's amazing we actually just got tickets to see the shining at midnight at the new bev uh this yeah. weekend so i've never seen it with an audience so i'm excited oh. to finally get that get that experience that you had awesome yeah um yeah when- Oh, go ahead. No, 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 I was going to say something on The Shining. I was just going to say, like, no, I I was going to say one quick and then please go. No, I was going to say, yeah, when I saw, I always loved The Shining. And then I saw it 
um, on 35 millimeter with an audience for the first time. And it just like, it was always a movie I loved. And then it became one of my favorite movies, like automatically once I saw it in that, in that way. So. Did you see it here in LA? Was that the. Yeah, it was during, it was at grad school. We, we, we watched it uh, for one of my classes and uh, it was really, it was really cool watching it with like a hundred and something people. And yeah, it was pretty incredible. I feel like the LA audiences are something different. It's a different energy when you go into like, like they're there to like nerd out about a film yeah. and yeah. it's, it's a totally yeah. different experience. Darcy, what about your horror experience, horror upbringings? Yeah, 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 yeah. Upbringings. Uh, uh, I was actually just thinking right now that I think the first, because you said in terms of like childhood, because I usually think about when I, my first horror movie I loved, but I think the first horror I I remember coming across was when I was like a really young kid. There was this book uh, with um that blue, uh, that guy from Sesame Street, the, I think it's called The Monster at the end of this book. Um, what the fuck is his name? Oh, it's it's you mean with Grover? Grover. Yeah. And yeah. You, would, you would turn the page and every time be like, don't turn the page. There's a monster at the end of this book. Don't turn the page. And, and I'd be so scared every time I turn the page. That's mm -hmm. my, that's the first that I remember fear. I remember fear there. Also, uh, when at Jen Mitchell's house watching the leprechaun in fourth grade. And I, I, I wept because I was very scared of horror movies. <laughs> and then in high school, um, uh, my brother showed me um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and that was the first time that I wasn't scared at a horror movie. Or I couldn't take my eyes off it. Where I was just like my jaw, I I just couldn't take my eyes off it. I and I I went to sleep that night, and like I feel like I woke up the next day with a whole different view, view of horror and a all this like fascination and like kind of awe. I just thought it was a a. a some there's something like beautiful about it and it was like really for sure i guess terrifying but it didn't scare me it thrilled me that's awesome that's my story. <laughs> so one one thing that uh you mentioned a little bit ago was the um the are you afraid of the dark were you all big fans of that show yeah yes Back yeah yeah was there a stand i feel like everyone has the one episode that scared the shit out of them do you have yours? Because I know mine. That Nosferatu theater episode. Oh, that that was like great. I, 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 I had to update the definition of fear in my book after I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> what were some yeah. of your? What were some of your episodes that that really knocked you out of the park? That was the glasses one where they have the the magic glasses and you see like the like the ghosts or the dead people. I forget what it was, but it was like that one where you see the people from like the other dimension or whatever it was. Yeah. That one like really really scared me because we didn't have cable wasn't available at my house at the time because i lived like way up in the woods so i used to go over my friends these twins the crutchfield's house and i used to watch it over there and that episode like <laughs> stuck with me for that was one that scared me the most yeah. yeah the dark dragon episode it's called the dark dragon it's this dude he had a limp and he i think he wanted to ask someone to prom or something so he drank this potion <laughs> given to him by that dude that was in all the episodes who was like oh here's my horror shop and oh then, yeah, yeah, the the the. the I always imagine kind of hunched over. Was it the yeah, older yeah, guy? Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, and he drank the. He would drink the potion, and he would like stop limping and like wear a preppy shirt. And then that, but that night he'd look in the mirror, and his face would get. It was like very Dorian Gray. Like he'd get more and more contorted. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think for me, there was like, of course, there's Zebo. Zebo is it? Mm, oh, the clown one or whatever. The comic book is it? The comic yeah, book clown one's one? like oh, yeah. terrifying because I remember like the nose. Yeah, that was terrified me. Um, and then there was like oddly there was the one with um, 
is it the girl in the mirror or something like that where like it's yeah. like this girl haunts this like house and she's that creeped me out because like kid ghosts scare me the most of anything i'm like i'm fine with any like except for spiders i'm fine with literally <laughs> any other sort of thing but like a ghost thing um that plays it no <laughs> <laughs> we got jump scares this episode baby. <laughs> so everyone knows you're not watching uh kieran just held up a spider ring and i kissed my pants um they yeah the girl in the mirror and then zebo like i yeah those are two that definitely yeah, set the spirit yeah. of ghosts set this great of ghosts. Ghosts. what can i say what can i say do you ever ghost hunt you ever go to like the queen mary and no, for them dudes. Okay, no, that's... I always thought I was like, you know, what? someday I should face my fear. I'm like, no, I don't need to do that. Why do I need to do that? I'm fine. This Why is like, this is such a side note, but we did a ghost tour, uh, like a, a little while back in LA. But it was Ooh, where'd you go? It was very funny because it was on Hollywood Boulevard, basically in Hollywood. It was partially just because it was just like, what is this going to be like? Because you don't actually go into any of the places. But the history was interesting. They take you by like the Roosevelt Hotel and the Magic Castle and the Hollywood Hotel and you do all that stuff. And the history, honestly, was really interesting, but it wasn't it wasn't like scary. It wasn't really scary at all because, you know, you're more worried about what might like getting hit by a car or something. While <laughs> yeah, you're on the getting tour. shanked yeah, while looking yeah, at Musso exactly, and Frank. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. yeah no, um, the, the, the history from ghost tours is the most interesting thing. Like if you go to the Queen Mary, they'll talk about like World War II. We just went to Salem and did a ghost tour. Oh, yeah. And it just turns out like, you know, you know, everyone knows the witch things just kind of bullshit. They were just trying to live their lives. And it was like judges yeah. who were like murdering people. And you're like, what the yeah. fuck? Wait, that's my hometown. No shit, are you serious? Wow, yeah, where, where, where did you, which, which tours did you take? Did you the witch? If you would ask me, I would have said the witch dungeon museum. No, we didn't go to no dungeon. That sounds fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding myself. We just kind of walked around the the, the place. Um, there's like that big black house. We went to that, and then like a couple of places where they filmed like Hocus Pocus, and they just gave us mm-hmm. a rundown of the history. And then afterwards, I never knew this, but they were like, you could go to the rock where the witches were hung. And it's like right next to a Walgreens. Weirdest <laughs> <laughs> thing. You're like, what? I know the Walgreens very well. Yeah. <laughs> Which Dungeon Museum is great because there's these two like amazing uh, women. Who I'm, I might be wrong, but I am guessing they have worked there for so long, and they have memorized the um, co- uh, a bunch of the the, the actual court t- text from the witch trials, Whoa. and they play one plays. I believe they play a bunch of different characters. I I saw it like two years ago last time, but one plays a judge, one plays you know one of the women being uh, convicted, but they do actual text, and they're so good. And then after they do their their show, they come off stage and they bring you down to the Witch Dungeon Museum and show you how the witches were, um, not the non-witches were uh, were in, imprisoned and uh, how it was all over land, all over land and all about the fucked up judges. Mm. Yep. No, that's... Bet no, but that's the, 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 the gift shop. Bet, bet the gift shop is amazing there, though. Is there a gift shop? <laughs> I don't think the Witch Dungeon Museum, I might be oh. wrong. I'm sorry if anyone from is... I don't think that they have a gift shop. I think... They, maybe they do, and I just don't remember it's at the front. But it, yeah, there's so many gift shops in Salem that it's like... Well, yeah, yeah. You're going to have to go to the Witch Dungeon Museum to find out. That's <laughs> <It's> right. That's <laughs> a, that's in fact, this episode's sponsor, the Witch Dungeon Museum. <laughs> Promo code. Don't hang me. <laughs> um, the, the other thing that I really liked um, 
about Little Demon was how funny the show is. Um, so we talked a little bit about the horror. I want to know about the comedy side. What's some of your comedic influences? Because there were some lines in this show that they just felt like quick jabs. Like you're just watching the show, then all of a sudden, bam, you hit this line of dialogue. There was one where it was like, I go for my jogs in the morning so the seagulls don't pick my eczema. <laughs> like I did not <laughs> expect. Like that had me absolutely rolling. What are your comedic influences? Because the comedy of the show is just so fucking funny. Oh, thank you. Um, I know for me, like, what well, I would say, like, um, like I, I think, like, if I'm thinking of, like, like, Thirty Rock and Arrested Development, I think are some of the best, most smartest, like, comedic stuff. Um, that, like, yeah, I mean, for sure, because there's like a joke a second in Thirty Rock, and Arrested Development is the smartest with it, and. And I'm always influenced, I've always been influenced by Mel Brooks and by like certain like, and like Martin Short and, um, and like old SNL and um, I mean, and I wet hot American summer um, stuff like that. And um, yeah, I mean, that, that's, that, I feel like that's the majority. I mean, I mean, I mean, I, comedy is just, oh, also Marx Brothers, originally Marx Brothers. I just mm. love Marx. It was just some of the most, uh, intelligent comedy out there and yeah it, and still still is so funny i really like the uh the david wayne stuff like hot wet american summer like that mm -hmm. guy kills me he yeah. did you ever see the movie they came together with paul mm -hmm. rudd and amy Poehler? Yeah. oh my god that's yeah. <laughs> some of the funniest stuff a really good one yeah god, that one's so funny yeah yeah no that that style of comedy is definitely something that like we all gelled on and we came we came, we came together on basically <laughs> that is like wet hot and, and those references are one of the things that we all like really really shared a deep appreciation for when we first started working together yeah yeah, yeah that was one of those things where I feel like we each individually i remember seeing it in the in the uh videos the video store back in the day i feel like i saw the it was like the maybe it was the vhs or maybe it was a dvd i don't know i remember seeing it being like what is this and yeah. putting it in the the either VHS player or DVD player, I don't remember. I feel like it was a VHS player. And being like and laughing so hard yeah. by myself and being like, I just discovered a movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was what's weird is like about Wet Hat is I was just thinking the other day, it was like I remember seeing it for the first time and thinking like it felt simultaneously like I don't know if this makes sense. Felt simultaneously it was like I have never seen a movie like this before. And also somehow I felt like I'd already seen this movie like a hundred times. You know, yeah. what I mean? like, it felt like yeah. it was like, like, oh my God, they're doing this joke. How did like it didn't like it? I was like, I can't believe it. I couldn't believe like the humor that was in it. It was like, it just made so much sense to me. And I was like, how has this not been done? Anyway, I was just. Yeah. Oh, no, oh, sorry. Oh, no, no, you go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say also, I feel like in terms of, and Karen, you go too, but, but, because I think, no, well, I guess we all, we said things, whatever, Conan, old uh, Conan episodes. I feel like that was a big mm, one for me. Yeah. Like, oh, like oh, I, I used would, to, I used oh. to VHS tape Conan back then. Me too. Yeah. I would VHS oh every sketch. I would, I would, I wouldn't tape the opening monologue. I would VHS, as soon as he got to the desk, because you know something's going to happen, I would, I, the tape would come on, the record would come on. I would Dudes a plenty. Dudes a plenty is still <laughs> my favorite. Uh, I still think of the preparation age guy. <laughs> I think I think I think of him. Yeah. Yeah. Sing through the aisles. Yeah. It used to be it used to VHS tape Conan and then Bernie the Bernie Mac show, aka the original modern family. <laughs> is what I yes. how I remember that show. Yes. That's awesome. So good. Those two, those two were great. So you're oh, you're all you're all creatives, you're all writers. I gotta ask this from a from an artist point of view. 
having a show air on network television what's that feel like like when the first episode drops do you guys like like do you get nervous do you watch it like what's going through your heads when like an episode that you've created is airing on tv and like streaming at the same like what's that like it's wild it's uh it's it's, no it's i I mean there's there's yeah for me i just it just you just feel so like grateful to be in the place where you are able to actually do that to like you see the culmination of so many people's like hard work and effort finally being brought to brought to fruition because so often in this industry people work on stuff for years i mean as we're seeing with like hbo max and stuff where they're just canceling shows that have been in production for however long you see and it doesn't actually get to be put out into the world and just to have it be put out in that way on that scale on that level is just something we're incredibly grateful for and also you know you kind of like are pooping in your pants a bit too it's very it's very <laughs> ner- it's very nerve-wracking also um to, yeah, to Con- I mean, yeah he's saying kind of pooping in your pants i mean karen i don't want to put you on this yeah. yeah kind of he kind of pooped his in the pants, <laughs> pooped his pants. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was a big to do that night, it it hit the airwaves of everyone talking about uh, co-creator, showrunner of the new interesting show on FXX, uh, Kieran Valla, Dookie these pants. <laughs> I saw that on Deadline. It made the news. Yeah. Anderson <laughs> Cooper did a whole thing about it, too. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. I don't... They called him Kieran Kaka for... <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I finally have a nickname. Uh, oh, uh, brother. Kieran <laughs> the Kaka Valla. If there's okay. anybody still listening to this podcast, <laughs> hold on. It's just going to get <laughs> worse. <laughs> a sepia a sepia filter on or is it you don't because why would you it looks like you have a sepia filter well people are listening to this they can't see it they can't see <laughs> you're, you're you're recording from like a like a theme parks saloon area where you can get those like, where you can get those old time photos wanted wanted yeah it's crazy i feel like when they aired it was the first time we were like, okay, they can't now. They they can't they can't take it away from us now. It's like up to the <laughs> we'll see. Oh, it's gonna air. It's gonna air tomorrow. Yeah, we'll well we'll see. We'll see about that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I agree. No, it did. It didn't. Yeah, I agree. And it also didn't like. I don't think I was. I personally wasn't able to fully like compute it. Even when like my parents or friends or something were texting, like I saw it. I watched it. And good job. And I was like that how did you watch it that doesn't make sense it doesn't make sense. how could you have possibly seen this television show like i was like no way it's been in process for years and that's where it stays it needs to that's stay, what happens it needs to stay in process um and no one will yeah. no one should ever see it uh <laughs> yeah no we were uh, yeah yeah, no, incredibly, incredibly fortunate, and yeah. and pooping pants. <laughs> yeah, the ne- next season, everyone will have, uh, everyone will wear their diapers, and <laughs> we'll, it will be totally cool. We'll have a nice little cleanup. Not, don't worry, won't have to worry about it. Um, the cast is amazing. When did everyone get on board with this? Like when you were writing it, like did you have like Danny DeVito and Aubrey Plaza like in your head? Like how did how did that come about? 
yeah, yeah, oh, sure. Oh, thank you. I actually suck. <laughs> keep it going, Darcy. Fingers, his fingers just go. So cool. yeah. <laughs> this is um, you. Yeah. yeah, we. I mean, we're we're so fortunate. You know, we had worked with with Aubrey a bunch before the three of us, and so we had her in mind for Laura. Um, and uh, I I had worked with Lucy Devita before as in in the playwriting world as a. Um, a playwright and she she acted and I think Seth and Lucy acted together um in a in a bunch of things too oh, cool. <laughs> yeah and uh uh so so we then then we were like we, we were thinking you know Lucy would be awesome as a daughter and like I mean may, what what would happen if if uh if 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 Danny was Satan, like like what would that be like? And we we sent it to Lucy. So we sent it to Aubrey. Well, we just told I, Aubrey was like, I'm in. I this is a fucked up character who would love to play. And then um yeah, we sent it to Lucy and Jake, uh uh and and uh they got really excited and and uh Lucy was like, I'd love to play this daughter. They sent it to Danny. Danny was like, Satan, uh I'm in. And uh, it was really we were really really lucky we were really really lucky when you were writing it like um did when you have like Danny DeVito's voice in your head does that change how you write the character at all or do you still kind of like streamline it or do you imagine it all in his voice like what would be funny to hear him say or something like that oh that's awesome yeah I mean I would say yeah like it and it and it definitely like progressed throughout the season of like when you when you continue to like write for someone and continue to like collaborate with them you continue to like learn their voice even more the more intimate you get with them and so like of course like it is it is that fun thing of like like we we knew Aubrey's voice so so well because again because we've known Aubrey for for quite a long time but like but also that is a thing that continued to progress but like it would be like I would say with Danny is that like yeah, we already knew kind of like what we were getting into with him in a good way. And so like, so we were like, well, what, what silly, ridiculous things can we get him to say? And then half the time, honestly, he would sometimes in the booth be like, hey, can I say this? And it'd be even more, much more ridiculous than, than stuff that we were writing. And we we're like, oh, that's good to know that you're willing, you want to go even further. So it, we were like, this is magical. It's just magic of what he would always deliver. So yeah, no, it, it it's a it's a gift to get someone like Dan DeVito to like to collaborate with and then to make him say like I'm I'm an armadillo, I'm I'm the devil in a in a dead armadillo. Like just stupid things like that where it's like, oh, this would be fun to just hear Danny DeVito, like <laughs> like amazing renowned actor say these very <laughs> stupid things that's always very fun and be so game for it oh yeah a hundred percent yeah so absolutely yeah. yeah and that's gotta be kind of wild too as writers to like write jokes and dialogue and then to hear it from like someone who has like a pretty iconic voice yeah like danny devito <laughs> yeah it's crazy it's crazy yeah and, and like sometimes he's so thoughtful like there's I, I think it was it was just we were you know the, the the hours you know it's like 16 hour days a lot of time I remember we were in the in the real trenches of it all and you know j just like hardly sleeping and I remember the next day uh each of us got a uh sent to our house a giant platter of uh bagels and locks and so many cookies 
said, and then the person said, uh, from Danny DeVito. (laughs) 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 So it was just, it was amazing. Yeah. There's so many. That has to be very, very surreal. I also, um, what I like about the show is, um, if I remember correctly, like, uh, being the antichrist in middle school is a pretty gnarly, (laughs) is a pretty gnarly. I was curious, what were your middle school experiences like? Like, is there anything like from your experience that made it into the show? Because I remember my middle school experience, a hot, it was Midwest in Ohio and a hot topic had just opened up. And let me tell you, if we went in there, <laughs> looking, looking like some some goth punks, like we had like the plaid pants and you know the yeah. plaid shit. You know we were we thought we were cool, but I was. <laughs> but, so I'm curious, what was your what was yours like? Were you as dorky as I was back then? Yes. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think <laughs> probably all. It's where a lot of besides things like Mel Brooks and Conan, it's where a lot of our humor came from. For me, I'll say for me, I had very intense braces, and they had to at one point move like all of my teeth like this so one tooth could come in so for all of seventh grade Oof. i had a, like a snaggle tooth and i would oh, braid my hair i would braid my hair every night because i th- thought it, and because I, I thought it would look it looked cool in the morning when i took it out that's me personally but please please i, mine was, I did exact exact same mine was mine was the exact same experience because <laughs> that's how we met we're in a Facebook group with grade people in middle school, and which is also was like, why is the t- it felt like there was a lack lacks on the title. Um, <laughs> I, I know. Um, I was yeah. I mean, I, I yeah. I was like uh, short and Jewish, and growing up in like a non-Jewish like area. I mean, there was like th- we had Jewish people in our area, but like. It just was like, you know, like getting picked on a bit throughout middle school. And like Darcy was saying, it's like that is sort of like for me is where I did like develop further my sense of humor because realizing that like, oh, if you have a sense of humor, you can also in some way show that you're potentially a you're more clever than a lot of the people that you're that you're near um, and then also, it's, of course, a defense mechanism. And then also, it is a way to sort of like bond in some way. So it's like rather than like using like humor to like bully others, it was like using humor to like to diffuse situations was really fun uh, to figure out. Like, and so that's around that time. But it was also uh, fucking hell. Like, middle school was like <laughs> such a crazily depressing scary place that uh yeah man and it is it's a rough rough time and i had a crush on i think every girl i think every single girl that was in the school. i think every i think every girl that was in my school i had a crush on yes wow. people like i kind of like that girl you're like no i like her i got bad news even though i stood no chance with any girl so there was this yeah. Um, you know, actually, see, my middle school experience is a little bit different. My name was Braden back then, and I had uh, blonde, spiky hair, and I was the captain of the football team. Um, and then I changed my name, changed my so I would fit in and in Hollywood. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I was, I was a nerd. I was a nerd too, but really, I had an, I had a, they actually recruited me for the NFL in middle school. It's all, it's all thing. I, I don't need to get into it here, but no, no, no. It was like Seth said, it was a hellscape, and yeah, using comedy to 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 navigate it. And someone actually, a girl actually dated me on a bet 
like a like a team. Oh, no. I, I literally went. Oh, it was God, a bet. And I think it was only like five cents or something. Like it was a small bet or like a quarter. It was something really small. So she kind of it wasn't as bad as like, oh, it's a large sum of money. So she would never do it. I think she was like on the fence. And her friend was like, oh, here's like a quarter. But then this other girl told me and I was like, it was a bet. And I like called her out in the hallway and stuff. Middle school was middle school was tough. But yeah. yeah. Kieran's no. all that. Kieran's all that. All that. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's rough. I had a uh, a similar experience where someone wrote a love letter to uh, this one this one girl, and she rejected me in front of everyone. And I was like, "Listen, I didn't even ask you out. Well, how am I getting? Why am I feeling rejected? And it wasn't even me. <laughs> oh, I gotta live with that it's guilt." So unfair. Yes, <laughs> it's so unfair. I actually have a similar story to that too, where one day this girl, someone was, at, or no, this guy, he was asking me like, oh, would you date this girl? Would you date this girl? And I wrote like, maybe about this one girl, <laughs> like maybe I would, maybe I'd be interested in her. And then I ripped it up into like tiny little pieces. So no one would see the paper or whatever. And this girl I wrote maybe too, she liked me like two years earlier or something like that in like fifth grade. And I was like, I wasn't really ready to like date at that point or whatever. And then this other girl went and reconstructed all these tiny no, pieces no. of paper, put it back together. No. And she, and she <laughs> showed it to the girl and, the, and she comes up to me in the hallway with the paper, like reassembled, like tape. No. And, this thing, like, an hour, and she goes, that is... you, you had your chance. She goes to me, you had your chance. And then I go, I wrote maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Not only that, but she went through and she, wow. she pieced it all together. I've never felt so violated. Oh like, my God. It was like, yeah, yeah. Oh, it was like detective. Like middle school, yeah, middle school is tough, man. You can't, there's nothing you can hide, you know? It's yeah. yeah, I feel lucky. I'm, I'm still uh, uh, really good friends with some of the people I went through the craziness with. They're still some of my, as me and Bonnie and, and Jen and Ryan. Sorry. And, and, yeah, and Margaret. And Margaret. Exactly. Yeah. No, also, I met, I met Aubrey while I was in middle school. I was 13 and she was yeah. 12. And no way, for real? Yeah, yeah, we oh, were. That's in, awesome. Yeah, I met her doing like a local play, and we were both. So yeah, so I would say, yeah, my oldest friend I also met in middle school. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. So the middle school experience is pretty even throughout everyone. It sucks. <laughs> you kind of you make some you make a couple friends and you have to build yourself in some way. Yeah. Yeah. It's really crazy, and it's weird. It's weird how. You know, when you you grow and change, you know, and mature and all that. But I think there's still, I know that still, even at the age I'm at, I have this little core of core in me of like of uh, vengeance, just a little core <laughs> of vengeance of just like <clears throat> some of the some of the people, even though I'm sure they don't even don't they've grown and they're you know, like Haley Glick is not the Haley Glick she was in seventh grade. Like, <laughs> I'm like, fuck you. I'm I'm doing all this because like, like I'm fueled. And it's so weird. What is that? I guess it's just like a that weird. Is, that's what? therapy is what, is what that yeah, is. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think we kidnap those people and make them watch our TV show, Clockwork Orange. <laughs> <style. laughs> read read yeah. those names out loud. Yeah. Yeah. By, okay, one more time. Read it by who? Yeah, yeah. Because say it forwards and backwards. Because that's horror. Like I remember that girl I mentioned. I shouldn't say full names. Like this girl came into our our math class one day. This girl was a transfer student. She came in, and and everyone started laughing because and and this girl Haley was like, "No one say anything," because someone had put a, like a bloody pad on her back. 
like who and and i remember when we were we were there we're like we, we saw we're like wait someone tell her someone tell her someone tell her we had to like sneak over and and to tell her you have something on your back because they were all at oh and she ran out of the, the classroom and she never came back <laughs> she just she just took it she, she was like you know what this ain't today ain't it <laughs> yeah anyway sorry i'm getting, I'm getting oh no, no no i I think I met, I, now now that now that we're all talking about middle school, I'm thinking about the time I, you know, I never got beat up. But someone kicked me once, like in, in the ribs. And I remember he came into class the next day and I was like, come here, come here. And then I choked him out and he like pat, oh. he did like that. You know, he like passed out. And so I dropped him. And all of a sudden, like my life flashed before my eyes. I was like, I'm going to kill a guy. And he started twitching. <laughs> and then oh, luckily he was kind of a crackhead. And so he got oh. back up and he goes, he goes. Do that again. I'm like, no. Oh my God. This has revealed a lot. This is, yeah. there's yeah. a, oh my. I was like, oh my God. So I'll never you made him discover again. something about it himself. His <laughs> I, interest. I, I, yeah. think so. I think so. He like saw his yeah. children, wife, and his career. Yeah. Like, what? I'm going to get it together. Wow. Get that, is, that is why we picked a, a 13 year old girl, you know, because of these, like we could go, we could all, the four of us could go on forever about our horror stories. Also, I've seen two cats in the last uh, oh, yes. 10 minutes from uh, listeners. Just so you know, it's not that Darcy's seeing things. Uh, <laughs> it's that I, I have a cat on my lap and a cat went by Nick. Nick's, uh, oh, we, we just got a couple cats and what blew my mind. And I wanted to tell you guys this. So, I was watching through the series, and there was a uh, a uh, there's a little Ratatouille reference in there. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. And we just got a, a that the day before, or no, I think it was the day after. Uh, we got a new kitten, and his name's Remy. And I was like, "What are the odds that we're watching a Ratatouille reference getting a cat named Remy?" And it was uh, no, he's we're gonna say like, oh, "We just discovered a rat that can cook," <laughs> <laughs> and he's living. He's he's in my hair. He's actually doing the interview. He's pulling my hair. And I'm like, "Oh, when you're writing in episode five, sometimes I wish, man. Oh, God, I wish a rat would just control me and just and like just do it." Anyway, <laughs> so the Ratatouille thing after after that was already written and animated. I feel like sometimes things just get into the zeitgeist. Like I feel like Ratatouille in general, joking off of Ratatouille, where suddenly we were like, oh my God, it's everywhere. Everyone's joking about Ratatouille. Yeah, like in everything, everywhere. They had Rackat, 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 Cooney. Oh, that's so funny. That was a great one. So okay. the, the one thing I'm curious about is all the creatures and the monsters. How did the designs, like they're so mind-blowingly awesome and there's so many different varieties of it how do those get created? Like, do you write like kind of like an outline of what like one monster will look like and then the animators come together? Like what's that process like of creating all the, the cool imagery in the show? Um, well, Kieran drew all of them. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> She's no, like, well, Kieran just drew the whole series. Yeah. Um, he doesn't like to talk about it. No, um, <laughs> uh, no, we have, we have, a, a, we had an amazing, amazing team of artists, of of, of specifically character artists um, that we would, you know, oftentimes we would write, sometimes we'd have a little bit more descriptive um, details of what characters were looking for, whether it's like a random beast guard or like a, 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 some specific like character that ends up being like a guest role. But oftentimes it would just be like, here's a character, here's just a thing with like, here's a crazy thing with three eyes or something like that. And then a lot of times what would happen in the, um, in like, in art reviews, we would, they would send, uh, would send maybe details off to the artist and then artists would come back with their, 
depiction of whatever, like a couple depictions of what they might think this specific character could be, or like an onslaught of a bunch of different characters within that world. And they'd be incredible, like unbelievably creative things that they would come back with us. And then sometimes we would like see those characters and we would say, well, we like this thing of that character, or we like this, that, that thing of this character and so forth. And then we would slowly like, I mean, it, it would work different a lot of times, but we would just sort of piece together each time of different different elements from each character and then fuse them. Or sometimes we'd just be like, that character, that's it. That's right off the bat. That's, we love that. What Don't do anything different to that. That's it. like, I think like the character of Jimmy, um, which is in episode three, um, like the the first depiction we got back of him immediately of like the of the smaller one we're like that's it that's exactly the guy like it just and there were no notes for it and it was rare for that but just the artists were just unbelievably talented and yeah paula spence. go go no are you gonna say go ahead Doris, please. no i was gonna say names paula spence uh art director jeanette marina king uh supervising director and so many amazing people like kang and anyway sorry go 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 no, 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 I was just going to say, like, yeah, no, I, I think just to add on to what Seth's saying, it's like sometimes, you know, we had very specific references for, for certain things for them to go off of, even if it was like two or three references kind of combined to put together. But sometimes they were like highly conceptual where it's like, you know, it's just an idea for a character. And then that's really where we had to like lean on the artists uh, and, and our directors and everything to really uh, kind of jump in and kind of figure out what that needed to be. Yeah. That those, is, that is... those two. Oh, sorry. Oh no, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Just say those. They're both. Those two. I'm looking. You can't see. I'm looking at Seth and Karen. They're so incredibly visual. Like I'm not. I'm just not always as a visual per a uh, a person. I just like. And I'm just. It's crazy what that they would see. They would. I would. Yeah. That's all. That's all it's I gotta say. We're wearing glasses. It might be that, <laughs> that, we, glasses that we can just see extra. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. No. My, my husband will like will like switch around a whole room and like decorate it in like a, and paint the walls. And he'll be like Darcy, and I'll come in and be like, hey, like, are you fucking? Where am kidding? I? <laughs> yeah, it's I sounding didn't... less that. So it's sounding less that Kieran and I have good eyes for things, <laughs> and that and... I have no, yeah. Yeah, maybe it's yeah, you're waking up in a different house every every yeah. other Wednesday. Is <laughs> <laughs> what's no, happening. They really do. I was always so because again, because as someone that just you know, I think I'm an auditory person, I guess. Uh, I'm just was always so impressed in those design meetings because for me, a lot of times I'd be like, I mean, no, I would be good too. I would be like, oh yeah, that needs something. But sometimes I'd be like, yeah, it's fine. And then you guys would would articulate a few things where I'd be like, oh, damn, <laughs> shit, yeah, yeah, that's all. Okay. I'm learning to be a more visual person through animation. <laughs> what better way to learn? That's got to be like the yeah. top shelf way to, <laughs> to, yeah. to make that happen. Yeah. Well, speaking of the visuals, I really like, um, I guess it's the, uh, if you would call it the depiction of hell being at that bar uh, quite a bit. I really, I really enjoy that. In fact, the only other version of hell that I can think of that really stuck with me was like little Nikki. Do you remember that? that <laughs> like that was like the only, like it's those two films. Like when I think of like, you know, the underworld or something like that, it's going to be that bar and little demon. And then little Nikki with Harvey Keitel <laughs> just running around in a, you know, some kind of suit. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, I think we referenced little Nikki in episode seven. We do. Yeah. 
and also oh, yes, yeah. just to be to be that guy. Technically, it's not hell. It is meta. It's the metaphysical realm. I knew you were gonna say that. that's why I was like I was hesitant to call it because uh, you know in the background of you see like little floaty things. I'm like ah, it's not fire and brimstone, but, but it's, it's but somewhere it makes, else. It makes total sense. I mean, because there are like like you're saying there are like things that like because it is a little bit like um is it Bosch that I'm thinking? I think Bosch was was one of the um. Bosch, is that what Amazon I'm thinking? Like the, the Amazon show, with dude from Deadwood? What? What? Who are you talking about? Bosch, the Amazon show with a dude from Deadwood. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. No, <laughs> uh, like a, I think uh, I thought about the dishwasher. I was yeah, like, the, the, the you know the art. It, yeah, it is Bosch. It's it's the artist oh. uh, artist Bosch. Yeah, so like the like, Dutch painter. Like, yeah. Yeah. So and originally like his. So what you're even pointing? Oh, okay, I got it up right here. One yeah. of like the inspirations for like parts of metaphysical realm were like Bosch's yes. depiction of hell. So there were like elements yeah. of that that we found interesting. Because I mean, of course, like because that painting is one of the more like it, it's. I mean, uh, guys, uh, newsflash: he was pretty good. Okay, uh, <laughs> artist, check him out. A little known guy, uh, underground dude. Uh, uh, if I can promote anyone, it's Bosch. Uh, and also the show Bosch. Um, check out. <laughs> look a lot like I think Bosch. The show Bosch has a sequel now. I'm pretty sure. The show yeah. Bosch is a sequel to uh, to the artist. That's the, that's this episode's other sponsor. Funny enough, sponsored by the Witch Dungeon and the sequel to Bosch. <laughs> <laughs> Um, um all the horror yeah, references when it comes to like so how do you guys write the show like do you get into like to a room together and like you're like okay episode one two because there's a there's a lot of things going on like the some of the, the stories throughout uh the series are like like the parenting between Aubrey Plaza and Danny DeVito I really like what was the inspiration for that and how do you hammer those kinds of like writing beats out throughout the series yeah so you mean inspiration sorry I think I think you guys cut out for a moment Oh, uh, uh, so there, I think I accidentally combined two questions into one. So let me let me splice this up. One thing I really liked was the the uh, the parenting between Opry Plaza and, and Danny DeVito. What was the inspiration uh, for that storyline throughout and how they sort of figure out how to parent throughout the series? That's a great question. Yeah. I mean, I think that we it was a that was a that's a, it's a difficult balance because and I don't want to give away anything with like a season two stuff, but, but, you know, it's, we're, we're at the center of our show is a broken family and we're dealing with uh, two very flawed parents. One you could say is much more flawed than the other, uh, the, the devil. Um, and which is, which is partly because he's the devil, but in partially, partially because he's had uh, eons more years to, to, to fuck up and to build um complex uh fucked up this but um we also wanted we we also felt that that there had to be there had to be something between the two of them that was really real to each people and uh, and and there couldn't be a relationship between them where we're one was highly more toxic in the relationship than the other. Um, there had to be some kind of, uh, you know, they each can, they each can match each other um, in both the good and the bad. So I think for us, a lot of, you know, it, it always comes back to looking at, at 
divorce and broken families and dysfunctional families and with with with, with humans and with you know mythical beings with with you know the, the stories of of awful stories of Zeus and Hera and, and how they would you know would would betray each other it's 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 it, it it came it came down to finding the balance of how can these people grow and learn what do we love about them um how can we give this couple some potential little window of hope um and uh yeah yeah just exploring the messiness i don't know if that answered the question i don't yes, know it did. <laughs> no it, well the, the, when i was watching it it reminded me of something my therapist always says like it, it was weird it, there was something very therapeutic about this show I'll, I'll tell you this right now i was watching it and i was thinking about things my therapist had told me you know she'd be like you know you can love somebody but not like the way they're treating you and i was like i see that in this show you yeah. get like you know you can forgive them because they're trying their best and you cannot like what they're doing but at the same time still have a little love for them yeah. and i thought that was really i thought that's why i wanted to ask that because you guys like knocked that out of the park i'm like Do they, are you guys listening to my therapy sessions because <laughs> 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 this, is, this is hitting kind of home a little bit here <laughs> awesome that's that's cool that that connected to you like that because that's yeah that, that's exactly what we we're hoping for from it it was it was it was really nice. Um, so last question here. I want to I'm being I want to be mindful for the time because I can I'm, I swear we can I can do the RRR episode where we go three hours. The <laughs> Avatar <laughs> two, you know, we'll, we'll have it. That'd be great. Um, so for the for the listeners who are who are writers and artists, uh, what advice would you give them? Uh, I guess we'll keep it to the writing a- aspect, but for for aspiring writers for the show, if you had to give them any any lick of advice, what would you tell them? Um. I one piece of advice that I'll say that 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 I think a lot about is I think I think one of the 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 most challenging things about writing is like is like just getting it done, sticking with it, taking something to fruition. Um, and one thing that I've learned over the years is to like work with myself more where I used to put certain amounts of pressure on myself and try to make myself work in ways that didn't really accommodate to who I was in my process. And I think it's just figuring out like what process works best for you in writing that you're going to be successful long-term and that you're going to like get the work done, like how you're going to figure out to do that and to really like work with yourself and figure out, just play to your own strengths. Basically. That's, that's one thing, one bit of advice that, that I've learned. Awesome. Yeah. And I would add to that. I would add, I think a, a big thing that I learned and I'm still learning probably will, you know, it's something we're all like learning our whole lives is, but trust yourself, trust yourself and trust your, whether you're writing alone or you're writing with your group, your group. Tr- when, when y- you guys have an idea or you have an idea that you're excited about, however out there it is, trust it. And and it's really easy. I think the three of us have been in a lot of positions where we're, we'll bring the idea to someone. Maybe it's a rep. Maybe it's a who knows. And they'll be like, no, no, that's too out there. That won't sell. Or no, no, that. And, and usually if it's something that we truly believe in, we, we, you ignore that and you keep going and it becomes, I think, some of the most outlandish ideas we've had are the ones that we've had to get past a lot of people have been like, no, 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 no. 
you keep going and, and, and you get, and you get it done. And I think also finding your, uh, uh, continuing to expand your network of collaborators and of, uh, uh, people, um, friends and colleagues you respect that are kind and humble that, and, and I, cause I think a lot of times, uh, you know, people in like execs and stuff like that, they're all afraid to lose their job. So they're afraid to say yes. A lot of times when, when you're, when you have, you know, when you have these people like, like we, you know, we happen to be, to, to, to know and to have worked with uh, the DeVitos and they want to take risks and they, and, you know, so a lot of times if someone says, no, you find the right person or you find a friend who's like, actually, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to enter, I'm going to send this to this random producer. Cause I think they'll get it. And there's, there's so many ways to get things done. I'm sorry. Seth, awesome. You, I just talked a while. Yeah. Um, that was great. That was wonderful. <laughs> the, um, I think they covered everything. <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, I mean, though, you guys, they, you guys did cover like a lot of my thoughts anyway, but like, I would say maybe like, like when I first started writing, like the initial thought is like, I want to like write something that I find joyful and whatever that means. Like, well, even if you're not writing like a comedy or something, but something that does like, I would say like bring you joy. And that like that feels fulfilling and like following that sort of thought through and and why it's bringing you joy and why it's bringing you like <clears throat> why you want to pursue that. Because um, I know the like, again, like when I first started writing, I was originally writing because I was like I was an actor and the things that I was auditioning for, I was like, this doesn't feel I mean, I feel like I'm not feeling fulfilled by a lot of things I'm auditioning for. I'm not getting the parts I want. And then I was like, well, I guess the best voice for myself is me. And then what do I want? What do I know that I'm best at? Which is like, obviously a very different thing from like in that capacity of being just like a writer for writing for other people. But in the same sense of like, if you are writing whatever your voice is, it's important to see that through. And I think, mm. yeah, I think that that's probably it. Oh, that's killer. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Little Demon, where can, uh, for the viewers, uh, where's the best place to watch it right now? Full season's out. Uh, Hulu. 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 All Hulu. episodes streaming on Hulu. Hulu. Changing your PJs, get your, your snacks, and watch that stuff. And if you're well, in O of... Canada, then Disney Star Plus or... Uh, yeah. New Zealand or Australia. If you're gonna grab any snack, and I meant to, I meant to say this uh, earlier, but like I love when shows have like certain types of foods. You know, like Hannibal had good food. You know, other shows have. So I've never wanted a piece of food so bad. The Macho Man Candy Savage, dude. Let me tell you, that's the best. That's easily one of my favorite things in the entire series. Is the Macho Man Candy Savage thing is one of the funniest things. Uh, like one of our writers came up with that, and I'm like, Miles, brilliant, Miles Woods. Miles. And Miles Woods. That's a, he's love you. It's just and then when the prop for that came back, when the artist drew that, it was like this is that was like the moment. Was like, oh my god, this is a show, and and people are gonna see it. <laughs> it's crazy. It's that is well, truly anyway. That well yeah. for see. For season two, there better be some Macho Man Candy Savage merch available. Like I want to have, I want to sit my ass down Honestly. and have one in each hand and just go yes. to town. Right, do that. 
FXX. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So for like a stone cold stone cold creamery, like honestly, <laughs> yes. like it's one of the funniest things in the world. Yeah. Whenever I talk about Miles Woods, I start I turn into like a 70-year-old grandma and start saying he's gonna take over Hollywood. <laughs> oh, one one last thing about the Macho Man Candy Savage thing is that when the artist drew it and they sent back like they sent the the drawing of it first they labeled each of the things that was on it they were like here's sour sour candy no ribbons. Way. sour candy ribbons were like the things on the side and they said like it was like they they had all the details of what type of flavor it was i remember that it was like that is i love it incredible brilliant the blueprint yeah. the blueprint is the real deal like we can <laughs> we can we can make this happen yes yeah we have oh, perfect. Well, now, well, now, now we all have something to live for, so we can, we can make it towards the, the Macho Man Candy Savage. Well, thank you all so much for taking time. This was an absolute blast. Um, season two, let's let's get that happen. So I have you back on the show. We can keep we can keep this going. We will we'll all we'll next time we'll have our candy and we'll make it we'll make it yeah. we'll make it happen. Sweet. Perfect. Well, cool. Nick, thank you, man. This was awesome. Thank, thank you. Really you. was a pleasure. Oh, so, anytime, anytime. Love to have you all back. Awesome. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, here. Cool. Well, we'll I'll right stop here. the recording there. So for the podcast, we're all square away. We're good. Um, we did it in time. This awesome. is great. That <laughs> That's awesome. Really, man. This Thank is perfect. It was really fun. It was really no problem. It was no problem. Love the show. It was it was one of the funnier things I've seen in in quite a quite a while. Oh, so okay. I really I really did I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you. That's cool. Easy. That's cool. <laughs> That's great to hear. It was the labor of love. We worked on it for many years. So. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 come, it comes through. It comes through. Thank so. you. Anywho, y'all have a wonderful day. And uh, yeah, see you guys See you guys next time. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Absolutely. Thanks so much, man. Have a good day. Have a good day.